Welcome and great to have you join us as we go off script with Sam Monk, Senior Leader of Equippers Church. Enjoy today's podcast. Hi and welcome to Off Script with Sam Monk. We're going to talk about what's worked, what hasn't, and leadership lessons. And it is great to have Sam Monk in the room with us. Welcome. Come on. Yeah, we're ready to go. So Sam, you oversee Equipus Church uh, around the world. And at last count, as I was doing some research uh, for this podcast, we have over 40 campuses in over a dozen countries to date. Like, how's that all happened? Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's going to be a short podcast. <laughs> yeah, very short. Um, but how it's happened is we've had a dream and um, you know we've got so many great people in many different uh, nations doing great things. And how it's happened is God's put his hand on, a, on leaders right around the world uh, who just feel called together, uh, who feel called to do something great for God together. And I often break down church to simply a whole lot of friends challenging one another to go higher in God. And that's... The feeling and the spirit of what Equippers is, we're just a whole lot of friends saying, come on, let's do something great for God in our lifetime. So how did it start? Where, 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 how far back do we go here? Oh, we, well, <laughs> we go back to my father. My father uh, always had a dream. He was a farmer. And I often think, man, what would have happened if God didn't arrest his life? I might have been a farmer. Um, I don't know how that would <laughs> work out. But um, anyway, I was a farmer. God arrested him. Uh, not arrested him, but... No, there was um, no police involved. It, it yeah, got his attention. God arrest, yep. And uh, he sold the farm and he started uh, leading the church initially in Wanganui, which is a small town, a small city in New Zealand. And just from there, um, we've seen other churches grow and and develop. But the dream was always to to reach the nations of the world. So you would have been a primary school student or something, I imagine, about that age. You obviously then grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you get involved in terms of leadership, I guess? And how did your leadership journey within Equipers context start? Yeah, well, I was part of the journey right from day dot. I hardly remember being on the farm. Uh, but, you know, in Auckland, uh, just uh, had several encounters as a teenager with God and uh, began leading a, a young adult ministry in the church. Uh, my father um, would recently, Kathy and I had recently uh, got married, in fact, well, we're three years, four years in, and uh, my father came to us and said, well, I feel like I've got a call to London to plant a church in London, and that's how... Uh, our UK and Europe side has really grown because he went to uh, London for eight years to plant a church. In fact, you were in the church in London I was for in a the period church. of time. I, I am yeah. a product of that journey. I'm yeah. Hopefully, I'm a, a good one, but I'm a product of that journey for yeah. sure. So yeah. Jake and I went to school together. Absolutely. We were, for a long time. we were in school together, and um, he didn't come to the church here in Auckland, but uh, God got his attention in the UK. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so he's in the UK, but that's how that whole side of the church um, grew. But... Uh, the elders here, uh, the leadership team here took a risk and I'd grown a ministry, but at the age of 26, yeah, I was leading uh, the church here 26 in, years in Auckland. Old. What was going through your head when you're 26 years old, so dad's gone to London, you're there, there's an existing eldership structure and leadership there. What's going through your head then? What's going through your head? Well, as a young person, you think you can do anything. And uh, I just knew uh, there was there was a grace on it. Uh, but what I wanted to know, even in that transition, I wanted to make sure it wasn't nepotism, because you can see that in a lot of places together, is um, I, I said in this, uh, well, if you go in there and I'm supposed to be taking on this leadership role, 
uh, Bruce, you've got to be out of the you picture. You've got to get out of the way. You've got to get out of the He's way. He's out of the picture. Right. And it was a shared conviction uh, with the leaders of our movement and the eldership team. And I, I feel like, you know, if you put yourself in a position, you've got to keep yourself in that position. So, tell, so go, go, go down that a bit more. What, what does that mean? Well, you know, whatever you start, you right. have to sustain. <laughs> but whatever God starts, he sustains. Okay, great. And um, I just knew it was God's positioning. A lot of people can try and position themselves. But if you put the, yourself in that position, you have to keep yourself in that position. And as you say, you were leading, you know, it wasn't probably a surprise to a lot of people. You were leading in a significant capacity in the church already. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it wasn't like, a, oh my gosh, this it's, it's not just Bruce's son that's that was sort of playing at the back with crayons and now is leading the church. It no, wasn't like no, that. No, no, it was, no. It was, I was leading, some ministries were growing. Uh, I experienced some favor there. In fact, you know, if you go back, I've got um, three siblings, got two brothers and a sister. We're all born a year apart. And uh, growing up, none of us wanted to uh, follow in dad's footsteps and be the pastor. <laughs> So it was like, nah, you're going to be, you're going to be. And uh, I don't know, uh, you know, it was something you know, I didn't choose. Uh, I went to university, thought I was going to be in business, but had a heart just to serve God. And just through, you know, serving God, you know, I found God's grace on different things. They began to grow so much so that at the end of the university, I came on staff at wow. the church. And it's almost like, uh, you know, I didn't choose this. God chose it for me, but I wouldn't have it any other way because God knows my desires better than I know my own. And, um, you know, I'm just so blessed to have um, gone on that journey with God and seen what He's done over the years. Wow, that's amazing. So you then, you've grown into this journey. You've been in the church over 20 years leading uh, in a significant capacity. And then we have this context of this global kind of movement um, of which. Every local, if I, if I think I'm right, every local campus has a local, um, a national of that country leading that church. Yeah. So you're dealing really cross-culturally, you're dealing with a whole bunch of different, I mean, how, talk through some of those conversations and how has that all, how has that all come about? Because that's a pretty amazing thing to have happened over a significant number of years. Yeah. How have, the, how have those conversations been navigated? Well, yeah, I think strategy is important. In fact, my degree was in management and uh, marketing and strategy and different things. They're all important. But beyond strategy, um, we are looking for God moments. Um, and we say significant ministry flows out of significant relationship. And just through the relational c- connections, the, the people God's brought into our world, there's just been a witness. There's been a conversation where we go, hey, this is so much more than just a conversation. This is a God moment. It's like when Mary and Elizabeth got together, there was a leaping inside right. the womb in both of their wombs. And, you know, when you're in a conversation, you're going, oh, man, this is a little bit more than just having a conversation. You know, God's saying something to us here. So and, those conversations, how... Again, I want to get to how have they come about? Have you, you know, we talked before, we don't have uh, a church planting strategy as such. We don't put pins on a map. But how have you, it's not like you've rung Brazil and gone, hey, is there a pastor? How have those conversations, because a lot of them have come to you. Yeah. You haven't tried to go after it, but they've come to you. What is it about you or the team or what's happening here? What is it that's compelling for people? Why, why do they want to get involved? Well, I I believe to lead anything, you've got to believe that, number one, God's put you there, but also you've got um, a God vision. Uh, this isn't Sam's vision, Bruce's vision, you know, Mark in the UK's vision or anyone. This is, this is a God thing, and we just steward that vision. 
And um, our role is to be faithful to that. As like Paul said, I'm faithful to that heavenly call. And if we can be faithful to that, God brings the right people at the right time uh, alongside us to actually see that vision fulfilled. And it's, it's not my vision. It's not any person's vision. It's God's. And, and we're just stewards of that. And I feel like, you know, um, it's, it's just we're, we're cooperating with God in this. And there's, there's relationships that you go, how did that happen? Um, and we look at one another and we go, man, we're rich because we've got the relationship, but only God could have brought this about. Uh, and, and you often talk about, you just prompted me a thought around, what I love about your leadership is you know that you serve a big God who wants to do big things. Yeah. And often I hear you say, you know, and, and excuse the kind. If you have a small vision, you'll attract really small-minded people. But if you have yeah. a big vision, you attract big, you know, big-minded people. And you can rephrase that. But yeah. is that often what's happened? You're attracting because of the vision that you have. You know that every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord around the world. You're attracting big people. Yeah. Well, I, I think you've got to have a big enough vision to fulfil other people's calls. And um, I, I, I really believe you can't serve a big God and have a small dream. Um, a lot of people, you know, limit their dream to what they can do. And they think, oh, yeah, I'll limit it to what I can do. Well, God dreams always outside of yourself. It's beyond your ability. It's beyond um, your resources. Because uh, why would God give you a dream that you can achieve in your own strength? God always gives you something that's bigger than yourself so that you have to put a demand on him. And having a, a big dream requires a humility of heart. <laughs> Um, because you've got to depend on God and and come into agreement. In fact, humility simply means to agree with God and is realizing that God wants to touch the world. And so who are we to have a small dream? Who are we to live within the com- confines of what we know and you know how much money we've got in our bank account? And, and it's just on that notion, you know, again, coming back to church, church is simply a whole lot of friends challenging one another to go hiring God. And it's on that um, we've really seen things grow and develop. Naturally, we've had to put structures around it that serve the vision, but the structures aren't there to dominate the vision. We don't serve the structures. And there's times which we'll probably open up in another podcast where we've got to break down the structures so that we can see the vision progress. That's really good. So then... Uh, I've seen you operate in a number of different environments uh, within our context, I guess. Uh, And then often there's the conversation that happens publicly. So Mm. I've seen you address uh, crowds, you know, as small as a a couple of people and thousands of people. But often I then see you engage in a number of conversations (laughs) that look like they're offline. There's, there's, There's intense conversations that happen outside of the meetings. And again, knowing you as long as I've known you, uh, those conversations, and again, I, I want you to talk about this, they tend to be maybe as important, if not more, than the conversations that you have publicly. So how about you open that up? Like, what are the kinds of conversations that you have? <laughs> sort of, I guess, these hallway conversations, that well, I call them. Welcome to Off Script. <laughs> hey, <laughs> is, um, I, I really believe, um, and I've looked at my journey. What I tend to do in leadership is I look at my journey and what's been beneficial for me and say, how then can I replicate that? for others because if it's been beneficial to me I pray that people are not too dissimilar to who I am uh, there's more people like me think like me and so they're going to benefit from that and you know I love guest ministry coming in I love their platform ministry 
But some of the most significant conversations I've had have been over dinner tables, have been one-on-one. In fact, uh, the reward of ministry is the one-on-one conversations. You can get up in front of a crowd of thousands, but it's just a crowd, it's a sea of faces. But being involved in somebody's um, journey, individual and individual's journey, it's a privilege and it's an honor. And I think you, know, you can have an agenda in a meeting, you can go through your agenda, uh, but it's the non-agended items that are, are revealers of the heart. Because in an agenda, people can tell you just what you want to hear in those moments. And I think leadership is the art of being able to unpack what's inside of a person. As a leader, we're not there to come on top of people. You know, that's what institutional hierarchies do. They come on top of people. As leaders, we're come there to come underneath and release what's in a person. And so in a one-on-one, I'm just going, okay, what is God saying to this person? And how do we come underneath and, and, and bring that out? How do we, you know, give people the permission to bring out what's in their heart, good mm. and bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's where sometimes the conversations can be a little bit, ah, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is awkward right now. But uh, that's where you actually get forward momentum and you're much richer because you've worked through some stuff together. And I think you know, unscripted is, you know, when everything's scripted, you've premeditated stuff. I like getting people into a place where they don't have the opportunity to premeditate the answers because then you hear the genuine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the gen- the real and, part and I guess of- in a public setting, it's it's easy to give mental assent, isn't it? It's easy to nod and go, "That's good," and say yeah. things like "Amen" and whatnot. But when you're actually one on one, and I think the way that you do this quite well is is the kind of questions that you ask, because I don't often hear you make statements, mm-hmm. but I hear you question because you're really trying to get to the bottom of what's on people's hearts, and that takes a lot of questions, doesn't it? Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always live with the premise that the answer's easy if you can frame the right question. The problem is we're often asking the wrong question. And one thing I pray as I go into different meetings all the time is, God, help me frame the question. Because if I can ask the right question, and as a leader, I'm not there to come up with the answers. You know, that's the danger is a lot of people think, oh, I'm a leader, I need to be filled with answers. No, God's put answers in in people who are around us. Our, our role is to extract those. And I believe if you can ask the right question, the answer then becomes obvious. And when a person aunts, or is able to answer the question, then they have ownership over that answer. Uh, and that's where conviction comes from. And one thing, you know, as a leader, we don't want to lord it over people's faith. Um, we, you know, that's a danger. Paul talks about that in Second Corinthians chapter one. You know, not lording it over people's faith. We want to come underneath and release what's inside of them. And so they are living out their conviction. They are living out their revelation. Um, because if it's not in them, ultimately, it's not going to um, bear the fruit we desire. So what? Maybe maybe as a sort of a final. What's a what's a good question, or what's a one or two really good questions that you've asked that have really been able to unlock? Um, I guess the the maybe some of the bigger questions like the purpose that's that's on people's hearts. Because often when you say to people things like "What are you passionate about?" usually the answer is "I don't know" because I've never really thought about it. Mm-hmm. But what's what's a good question, or maybe something that you've asked that's really helped to unlock something in people's hearts to give them 
to help them with that purpose and meaning kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I believe for a lot of people, they're stuck in the here and now. And so if you can ask them a question of where do you want to be in 10 years, what's in your heart in 10 years, then they would unpack a little bit more. And then, you know, the question is, well, what are you doing about that now? <laughs> is like, what actions are you taking? Because you're not just going to suddenly arrive at that place. The seeds that we sow today uh, determine our tomorrow. And that's that's a big question because a lot of people have dreams, they have desires, but they're not making forward movement into those places or being intentional. And it's great to have a dream in your heart, but you've got to do something small to get stuff moving. And uh, God's not just, it's not just going to appear out of heaven. And so just unpacking, well, what's in your heart? Uh, I believe vision is an inheritance uh, for a believer. Yeah, vision, future vision you know, is, a, is an inheritance. And God wants to open our eyes to see what we can't see with our natural eyes. Favorite verse comes you know, uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive uh, the, the plans God's got for those who love him. But it goes on, but the Spirit of God reveals those things to us. And this is where I believe it's a big thing, is too many people are trying to understand God in their mind. But how you receive anything from God is in your spirit. It's in your, in your spirit. In the first instance, it won't make sense to your mind. But what we do is we argue it away. Oh, that could never happen, that couldn't. But what God wants us to do in that moment is He wants us to believe. And if we believe, you know, then understanding would follow that. You know, it's by faith we understand that the worlds were formed and framed by God. You know, many people are going, well, I need to get understanding first, yeah, and then I'll believe. No, God says, no, I want you to believe, and then understanding will follow. And, and God's got so, something so much bigger than what we can see. And, and as a believer, if we operate in the Spirit, we can see the things that only God can reveal. So good. And I was reflecting as you were saying that on some of my journey, you know, our, our significant conversation happened over a curry in London at our house in Kingston. And, uh, and that's where it really started for us. And I guess a lot of that was around, yeah, me thinking through it, going like, what? But actually, yeah, God does something in your heart that you can't, like, like you say with, with Bruce, you get arrested and you can't get rid of that call. You can't, it's, it's there. And I think it's having someone question asking the right questions to bring that out was really significant. And so I guess, you know, for us, significant ministry does flow out of significant relationships. And uh, we want to thank you for listening. And if this has been useful, great. If not, discard it. We want to thank you for listening anyway. Uh, but we do want this to be useful for people. And if it is useful, we want you to pass it on to others that you have significant relationships uh, with. Otherwise, thank you so much, uh, Sam. Great to chat with you today. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Offscript with Sam Monk. If you found this podcast helpful, make sure you pass it on. We love your feedback, so drop us a line about what topics you'd like to hear about on Offscript with Sam Monk.